This is the Skies Blue Podcast. Welcome back to the Skies Blue podcast. First one of the regulation season. It was just before the friendlies had finished last time we got together. And all of these goals, 22 goals in eight games and lots of concessions as well, all late. Well, it's taking toll of our quartet because uh, poor old Daryl Carpenter has been told to lie down in a darkened room and not come out until Chesterfield promise that they're not going to have to come from behind and score in the 93rd minute to get victory. So get well soon. Daz, so there's me, Phil Tooley, Stuart Basson and Paul Fisher here to try and digest what's occurred so far in Chesterfield's season. Uh, I think if we gave it as much as we can, be prepared to be here much longer than a Ken Dodd concert because uh, you know there's so 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 much potentially to talk about matches that have gone matches that are coming new players all sorts of stuff um, but Stuart this has been an absolutely bonkers season so far eight games in I know it only eight games in it feels like we've scored 92 goals and conceded 78 or something doesn't it already um, it it's it is, I suppose, people's popular uh, belief about Paul Cook's philosophy sort of stretched to an extreme, isn't it? And hasn't it been good to watch, he, you know, even on the occasions when we've been trailing in games? You know, you're, 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 now you should be confident that we're going to come back and do something about that as the game unfolds. It, um, I was just looking at some of the figures and 7-6 uh, in our favour for goals in the 80th minute plus, you know? Um, goals scored in stoppage time at the end of the second half or the first half, 6-2 to us, you know. So we don't stop, do we? You know, we're, we're, no. we're, you know we've lost one game, but in a sense we're never beaten. No, absolutely right. And, you know, the, the two non-wins, Oldham equalising and uh, Altrincham uh, scoring relatively late for the equaliser and then late, late, late for their, their winner. It could have been eight big Ws, no, no question about it. Well, absolutely, yes. It, um, it, it, it It's just been amazing to watch, hasn't it? Um, and you know, we've come up against sides that can compete at least as well as us um, for vast periods of the game. Um, and uh, I, I think generally that, that sort of... The bands that used to exist between you know the, the, the better clubs, the middling clubs and the clubs that were, were just kind of propping everybody else up I'm not sure they exist anymore even over the five or six years that we've been in this division you know I think that it is far far more competitive than it was when we first came into it um, and it's a better standard of football for that you know equivalent of League 2 I'm sure and it's a bit Paul Cook plus Paul Fisher, isn't it really? Because whilst we've not had flowing 90 minutes all that often, mainly because Chesterfield are <laughs> conceding goals as well and, and you just can't start playing the, uh, the Ole football, but eight games, set play goals in every match? 
I mean, it's unheard of, really, from a Paul Cook type uh, of side as well, isn't it? I mean, Liam Mandeville has been uh, case in point for them, supplying the the corners and 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 whatnot in Ryan Colclough with the free kicks, and I even had to use Jeff King to, to to do the dead ball situations. So it's it's been quite a, a remarkable sort of turnaround in that way. They look powerful from set pieces. Jamie Grimes has got goals. Ash Palmer, Tyrone Williams. You know, all these defenders that didn't get many uh, headers last season. So Palmer scored one last year, didn't we, against Altrincham in the virtually last minute. Jamie Grimes got a, a couple, but I don't think he scored one with his head, and certainly not here. His first goal was here, wasn't it? So in, in, in many respects, it, it's a different side of the game, but also to attack with the, the free-flowing football that we've seen, it is quite a remarkable start. And as Stuart said, and it has been noted on a national podcast as well, that uh, this side just doesn't stop going and it keeps going and going and going, which is worrying for the uh, the opposition. Oh, I, I thought in podcast world everything was national, international. Is this not international? <laughs> Come on. If you listen to this in New Zealand, you're imagining it. <laughs> but, but yeah, with those uh, set plays, Paul, it is it is the variety and everything that there is in there. You know, there's there's been the long range free kicks, the deep corners, the short corners. There's been every variety uh, of it. And as Stuart mentioned about the last five years, just how many times have we been undone by those free kicks very often late on? Yeah, very often late on, haven't they? They've been sort of hoisted into the box and then there's been a, a header coming in where the opposition has uh, scored. Um, we saw, well, they can't quite get it out of their game, can they? Because that Oldham one as well, which they the a ball hoisted into the box, punched away, shot comes back in, it's parried, it's a goal. You know, they, they can't quite shake off the, the last minute type of scenario, you know. But uh, but yeah, that's perhaps something to work on, isn't it, going, going forward for the side. But it's one of these at the minute, we'll outscore you. You know, you, you'll get one or two maybe at best, but it's your older such case, it's three, but, you know, or Dorking maybe, but, you know, Chesterfield will outscore you this season, it's been proved. Well, talking about outscoring teams, the last away match, a 4-3 victory at Aldershot, the first home match, 4-3 victory over Dorking Wanderers. I was looking, Stuart, at your excellent CFC uh, history.com website, which is moving somewhere else, but you can still get it via cfchistory.com. And I think there'd only been 21 4-3s in the entire history, and we've had two in about six weeks. <laughs> I know, I know. We're going we're gonna to have that up to about 40 by the end of the season, aren't we, at this rate? Uh, and why not? Keep doing it. I'll have to watch it. You know? And, yeah, I, I'm not going to ask you to sort of say when was the last time we opened the season with, with set play goals in the first eight matches, because, of course, that will be an impossible <laughs> task. Read the match reports for every... Well, <laughs> the answer is it's, it'll be never. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll absolutely. definitely be never. Certainly, there's no point in looking at Paul Cook ones before. Mm. I, I remember in his first spell, we scored from a corner, and at the end of the game, I said that was our first goal from a corner for 175 corners. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, well, there's a when was the last um, we've recovered the last three games from a losing position haven't we to go on and win when was the last time we did three of those on the trot I mean I've no idea but. well just, just to put it into terms of being a long term spy right I can remember us going oh, in, when Rick Green was here in the, in the late 70s we went to Shrewsbury and drew 1-1 bit of a nothing game but my little uh, party that was with me, Alan Martin and uh, John Taylor, I think Andy Bond might have been there as well. Um, we equalised 1-1 and we were going bonkers. 
And the only reason we were going bonkers was that was the first time Chesterville had equalised in 11 months. Good so, heavens. yes. So, <laughs> it, at that time, if you went behind, you lost. Crikey. And so, from going from that stage to winning sort of... And, and two goals down at, uh, against Hartlepool as well. It's not just one goal down, but mm. two goals down against Hartlepool. Yeah, I don't recall being, no. being behind three consecutive times and, and coming back to get a, a, a victory. But, you know... The excitement factor is unbelievable, Paul, isn't it, really? The, I've not seen anybody leave a game before the end yet. No, I, th- I think that uh, a lot of sides just uh, think that, you know, well, I, th- I think it was a change in uh, 70 minutes, was it, on Saturday? I was trying to think, well, are Chester going to get this? Sort of because obviously it helped with the sending off. Um, but if you, if you go forward to it, that the, the way that they attacked and you just sensed something was happening the way that they even from the kickoff it was right we're going to bombard that goal and nothing happened in this one nothing and, and of course the sending off made no difference to the equaliser because no. Dagenham had just had a bloke on the halfway line exactly. it wouldn't have made any difference to the actual equaliser no I mean obviously then there was a free kick outside the box so they didn't get an opportunity to make any chance because they just equalised through that free kick so it wasn't like they had an extra body in the box because it didn't matter because he lifted the ball straight over and it went in. So, you know, all of a sudden then, that's it. And obviously it took them a while to get the second goal. But you just think opposition sides now just have to sit back and just think, right, how are we going to how are we going to do this? How are we going to stop Chesterfield scoring in the latter stages of the game? It is, um, well, good luck to you because if you're a defensive coach in that in that uh, respect, then um, you know you've got to you've got to look at sides now. They're going to look at all the um, all the uh, the sort of data and the, uh, and the the videos and just think, well, they're attacking from either end, right hand side, left hand side, through the middle. They're bringing on Ollie Banks, you know, they're bringing on James Berry after 20 minutes, who actually dominated that left hand side. I mean, the poor fullback. I mean, he'd had Ryan Colclough at one side at one stage. He had Liam Mandeville marauding up the other end and then moving over the other side. Armando Dobra hovering around on the left-hand side, going through the middle. He didn't know where to go. He didn't know I, where. I think he's lying in that dark room with Daz. <laughs> <laughs> Fullback. But do we want to see the team's wings clipped to solid, solidify up the defence, uh, Stuart? Gosh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I want to, really. It, it, it you know, we, we, won, we, we've lost one and drawn one, haven't we? Won all the others over the course of a season. That sort of run is going to have us very, very close to the top, if not top, you know. Um, and other teams who perhaps don't score so many will be looking at us and thinking, do we need to concentrate a bit less on keeping teams out and try and score a bit more perhaps you know if we carry on doing it like this well I I, I missed the Dagenham Redbridge game last week um, I was having a wonderful culinary experience at the long in the long room at, at Lords but three changes and the defence Freckleton came in at left back of course Palmer was replaced by Williams and Mandeville in that right back role to start off with of course Chesterfield went 1-0 down but only conceded mm. one how, in, in your view, live there, did, did that back line um, perform? Um, I, on the whole, I think it performed pretty well. Um, I, I can't remember too many kind of howling errors that, that, that let the opposition in. Um, one or two sort of uh, 
to throw out or something like that perhaps went astray but you know that'll happen when you play the kind of way that we do um it seemed balanced it seemed flexible you know able to cope with whatever they they had coming forward on the whole and we conceded one goal which is not the same as conceding no goals which we'd like to do but you know one goal compared to some of our recent records probably isn't bad you know we only had to score two really and we went and scored three so well just in answer to your previous question or your previous statement Stuart the the points per game tally now if that's done over a 46 game season 109 points so that would have beaten Notts County but (laughs) (laughs) keep on as we are then shall we and and Saturday's opponents absolutely united won the National League South last season with 103 points and they were 20 points clear <laughs> of the team in second which was their mm. neighbours Dartford mm. who didn't of course make the uh, make, make the, the step up Freckleton came in at, and, and if yeah. you if you look back at the goal that Dagenham scored uh, hey it was good ball in lovely but Freckleton was the man on the guy who scored wasn't he yeah mm. that was the worry isn't it? the second phase that came in it was the uh, the cross that wasn't stopped the flick on wasn't dealt with and the player in between, I think it was Grimes and Freckleton, who kind of mistimed that area. There was a free man, wasn't there? To turn. They'd had a warning before as well when the cross came in, when Reese put it wide, when he should have should have scored. So that's maybe a lesson to, for them both there, you know. But at least it was only once that it, that it happened, you know. So, But I tell you what, Freckleton is, uh, looks a good good acquisition he and, looks and comfort- how was it going forward he looks comfortable on the ball and he's quite happy to move up and dominate down the left hand side um, he is a born centre half I think you can see yeah. that because of his tall nature that he is but he's a lot quicker than Jamie Grimes is and moves on that side he seems a lot more assured and he can um, he can attack a, a winger as well so you know he can push them back so his ball distribution might need a little bit of work on, but he's 21 now, isn't he? And, and, and he's not very often had hard-nosed opposition against no. him. I know he's played on loan at a couple of teams in the National League, yeah. but it's that it's that week after week, Stuart, isn't it, against hard-nosed mm. opposition? It is, it is. I think, to answer one of your questions for a few seconds ago, he was good enough going forwards. You know, I always got the impression that he could link well with... The, the player in front of him, be it Cole Clough usually. Um, and I always thought he was respectful of what might happen if it went wrong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so he was, even though he was going forward, he always had, you know, half his mind on where's Grimes, where's so and so, what mm. happens if this, you know. Well, on his um, signing interviews, Paul, he was talking. I'm a defender, 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 defender. Who's mm. comfortable on the ball? Yeah. It wasn't. A, I'm somebody who's comfortable on the board and can do a bit of defending. Yeah. He, he knows which side is toast butter, doesn't he? Yeah, I think I think you're right there. I think um, slotting in. Obviously, it's not a uh, a natural position for him. But you know, as as Paul Cook said against Aldershot uh, or Danny Webb did, it was a lopsided back three, wasn't it, that they put mm. him in? So he had all that area on the left hand side to work with. So Grimes sort sort of going into the middle a little bit. He does seem very comfortable on the left-hand side of a back three. I think we just got rid of one of those and then to uh, to crawl in, didn't they? But uh, um, he look he looks good, you know. So uh, we'll watch out, Jamie Grimes, and the the competition there is for that left-hand side of centre half position, isn't it? So we've already got it on the right-hand side, and you can't match up between the two. It's William Shirt to to lose now, isn't it? So good, good, you know. Well, we all, we all know the answer to the world, the universe, and everything is forty-two, but. 
a much harder question to answer than what's the answer to the world, the universe and everything, is why do managers have no problem playing two right-footed yeah. centre-halves together? But, <laughs> I know where you're going But with. two left-footed <laughs> centre-halves seems to be, like, not allowed. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It is weird, isn't it? It is It is an odd, an odd scenario because when Liam Cooper was in and out of the side and got injured or something, no problem putting Ian Everett alongside Sam Hurd, was it? Mm. You know, or, or um, at the start of the season, it was uh, Ryan Williams, wasn't it, alongside uh, uh, Ian Everett? So it's uh, uh, Sam Hurd. So yeah, very strange, isn't it? I don't, I don't understand why. And what, under what context would you get two left-hand, left-sided centre halves? I don't. I can't even think. I mean, somebody's going to hopefully come back to us, but I can't think of a side that that's got it. What's the ratio in football of left-footed players to right-footed players? I would think it's probably exactly the same as the ratio in life. Which is... I don't know. <laughs> well, well, let's say it's... I don't know. Let's say it's six to one. Yeah, yeah that sounds know, about reasonable. Just a number yeah. plucked off the top of my head. So you're going to be six times more likely yeah. to have right-footed, right-footed yeah. than left-footed, left-footed. So the fact that you're more used to seeing it, coaching it, playing against it, playing with it, does that influence... The decision as to whether you have two right or two left. It footed. probably does, and on a non-scientific basis to back that <laughs> argument up. Ninety-nine point eight three two percent of all left footers can only use the left foot. They're absolutely rubbish on the right. Whereas yeah. right footed players very often can use the the left. Well, That's just a, a sweeping statement that I've probably no, has got no truth. No wish to confound your statistics, Phil. But I'm left-handed, yeah. but Rod but was right-footed yeah. and was equally bad at football oh, yes. my, my friend was a right uh, armed bowler yes. the left handed batsman oh, well you get, you get that a lot you get mm. that a lot in cricket don't yeah. you where they, they, they bat and bowl ambidextrous yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, mm. I'd give my right arm to be ambidextrous <laughs> <laughs> oh hang on <laughs> Paul's got a new little feature on his yeah. thing. <laughs> but but you, you do get the and I always remember years and years and years and years ago when Derek Dugan used to present the Sunday afternoon football show, Grimsby mm. with a highlighted programme. Leeds must have not been playing clearly. <laughs> and, and it started off with Derek Dugan in his heavy Irish accent sort of saying and I've seen something today that in all my years I've never seen in football before and I'm, I was getting really excited at what it was and it was Nigel Batch the Grimsby Town goalkeeper used to take kicks on the floor with his right foot and kicks out of his hands with his left foot really? yeah mm. so there you go did anybody ask him why? I don't think they did in the age back of, in them days right, okay. with Grimsby. No, no, nobody at Yorkshire TV would have recognised anybody from Grimsby. They only knew Leeds players. Uh, was yeah. Derek Dugan wearing his brown suit with a kipper tie? Was he? <laughs> I, I, I think he'd got a kipper tie. Yeah, so it might have been coffee. Mm. Oh dear, well, there you go. Anyway, we, uh, is is there any any game we want to talk about? Because we could pick one game and talk about it, and it well, and replace every other game. Let's go Altringham, with a conversation. Man. Let's the, go the anomalies. Yeah, let's go. Uh, let's go Altringham. So, never really got going. Colcliffe mm. uh, uh, was, was on the bench. Never really got going, but got there. And we're getting there. Then what happened, Paul? <laughs> well, I don't know. But for the, most of the second half, um, the, the, the press box at um, Altingham, you're right behind the dugout, which is good place to be problem, the problem is you can't see the left hand corner because there's a building that they've built for some reason <laughs> in right in the corner so you don't know who's taking the corners so but that didn't matter in this respect so altering up your band thing you can see the away dugout no problem at all the manager comes out Paul Cook is instructing Ash Palmer Jamie Grimes step up 
step up right towards the halfway line. And he was constantly at that, mm. at them for the second half, mm. saying, you're allowing him to come on, essentially. You're allowing him to get the ball. And all it took was a misplaced pass yeah, for, the, one, wasn't it? for yeah. the second goal. Mm. And I think it was a misplaced pass for the first one, mm. second phase, I think. Anyway, they went on. Twice it happened. And to be fair to Paul Cook, he told the players to step up and they, that it should have been up to the defenders then who were both experienced enough in their 30s yeah. to take on what the manager is telling them because Chesterfield was searching for the second goal and they would have only done it if the side was pushed up further and that's what he wanted and it never happened the players have to take responsibility for that defeat there because um, they they had it in the bag they were 1-0 up they weren't cruising to victory Altering were a much better side in the second half than they were in the first, but Chesterfield hadn't really been troubled at all in the first half, but now they're at Altrincham. Chesterfield had just dominated with that set piece. Mm. But they'd never picked up Dior Angus, who'd come on as a sub-65 minutes. He scored the two goals, just in case you'd forgotten. They'd, they'd never got him. No. And, and I, I think I checked at the time, I'm not 100% sure, but I think I checked at the time. That's the first time he scored two goals in a senior <laughs> match for eight million years. Yeah. He barely got a game for Wrexham, didn't no, he? So no. uh, and, and whatnot. So, but they'd marked. They'd done the hard work. They'd marked um, the the Linny, the the C- threat. Yeah, Casillo was the man who came off. He t- they took him off because he was for poor, the, yeah. and he's always had a good game against Chesterfield. Mm. They took him off. They'd done the hard work, you know, and then they threw it away in the last last ten minutes. And that's the chink in the armour at times is that the centre halves there. All the defence as a four should have pushed up to half. Yeah. You know. Mm. And, you know, Paul could get some criticism of playing this uber-aggressive cricket football, but he, he certainly knows about how he wants his side to play. And like he knew then that they were just asking for trouble. Yeah, I, I suppose as much as we we might say to the fans, you have to trust in Paul Cook, and in the process, we say the same to the players sometimes as yeah. well. You know, and yeah, that's what that demonstrates. Isn't exactly, it? they're not absolved from blame as they, they should be. You know, he, the manager puts them out there. Mm. Doesn't he? And you know he yeah. can only bark out so many instructions. Yeah. They've got but to take. If they had stepped up like he, like they were told, and if they'd been caught, you know, against a fast player running through or whatever, um, onside goal, then they can at least turn to the manager and say we were doing what we were told. <laughs> yeah, can't they? you know. Yeah, well, exactly. But that seems to be accepted way. But the the thing is there then is that you, if you step up to the high line that you're playing. Mm you should then have more chance of scoring because your forward players are much further on. Yes. So you're accepting that you're going to concede or at least then create a chance mm. on the basis that you can equalise and score and that's how this season's gone. Yeah. But against Altrincham, for some strange reason, there was a massive gap between midfield and defence and that's how it, that's how it mm. uh, conceded because the defence, I don't know why were so far deep that he was asking for trouble. And I asked Paul Cook immediately after the match, I'm sure you asked him the same question. Oh, no, Paul, I, I, don't, I don't get the opportunity. <laughs> oh, no, oh, sorry. That was a genuine error, not a dig. <laughs> and, of course, that was Easter, uh, Easter Saturday, Bank Holiday Saturday, and Hartlepool were in town on the, the Monday. So I asked him if the team selection, because Colcliffe was on the bench, Grigg was on the bench, had got Hartlepool in mind and he said yes of course it had and you're always going to do that and you know that was uh, the match really I think that probably prompted the manager to bring back Mike, Mike Jones into the uh, fray because he'd not started a game before that point in time so there was that element to it 
And I think if we'd have come away with a point there, we'd have all been reasonably happy. Away, away draw generally okay, yeah. isn't it? So, but in the similar vein, let's talk about the other game that's not been won, the <clears throat> Oldham one, when Chesterfield were the the better side. Of course, Oldham's second favourites at the start of the season. We they'd had an indifferent start, but we thought, oh, they're going to give us some problems. But realistically, they didn't, did they? Not really over the course of the whole game. No, no. Um, I thought, as you say, we were the better side throughout sort of the, the 90, apart from the last minute. But, um, you know. It, uh, and whichever way we look at it, had the pitch invasion not happened, I think the linesman and the referee would have been much more likely to have talked to each other and recognised that Mike Fondop was interfering with play and was in an offside position I absolutely have got no problem with the referee and linesman thinking of their safety first uh, not, none whatsoever but you know I think if that had been on VAR that wouldn't have been a goal stick. no no certainly not no no. you've only got to look at the replay to see Fondop move towards the ball when it becomes free after the parry I mm. think um, and when he moves towards the ball he put himself into mm. an offside position mm. and I, I'm not at the school no of thought Paul that thought that on that occasion that the keeper made a mistake he went out to punch it he was leaning over players mm. and he punched it an awful long way yeah. and it was a crackerjack of a shot from Dan Gardner to be, to be fair that came back in through a, a crowd of, of, of legs could he have caught it possibly was it a bad punch no um, but it just le- it, it led to a goal Judgment call isn't it Yeah Judgment call And it's the same on Saturday, same on Saturday Wasn't it Dagger, So yeah. judgment call And you make it And you, it, you're absolutely right He punched it far enough He punched it far enough On Saturday It's the second phase mm. That they didn't yes. deal with um, But as regards to the goal for, um, It said There was a goal given For Manchester City uh, Only last weekend Um before the international break that had a player standing in an offside position that PGMOL had to apologise for and say it shouldn't have happened. Now, you know, it shouldn't have happened. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, it shouldn't have happened, should it, really? So it, it shouldn't no. have been a goal. No. It's not a goal. Um, but, like you said, what happened afterwards... Yes. ...created the doubt between the man... All of a sudden, the referee is thinking, player safety... Yeah. I'm not thinking of looking at that for an offside because he's got other things on yeah, his no, mind. I, I, I don't, I don't criticise it. And although that's where the fourth official should have stepped in, probably, probably there and said, "Look, can we look at yeah. this again?" Yes. So, but he's not on but, the field of players. But, but then we always argue that. Well, I didn't think they were supposed to have a have a yeah. call. Um, yeah. We've argued the other way around. Yeah, that's true. That's but, yeah, true. Yeah. Stockport yeah. was it? And yeah, when Piggy was sent yeah. off or whatever, I can't remember which one it was. But you can argue yeah, no, all, right, all you yeah. want. Mm. Uh, and yeah. People are talking about because of Scunthorpe and Buxton with the waterlogged pitch the other day. People saying, "Oh, was it abandoned? He blew before time." Well, he didn't. The referee didn't blow before time because there was seven minutes of additional time. The goal was scored with fifty-one seconds of that remaining. But the referee didn't blow his final whistle until twelve, thirteen, fourteen minutes ago. He might not play it anymore, but the clock had continued ticking. Whereas Buxton against or Scunthorpe against Buxton, he blew with four minutes. Yeah. Blew the final whistle with four minutes still to play. So there's no argument for abandonment. There never was an argument for abandonment. Yeah, the, he'd never the, abandoned the game. No, the, no. The, the, the the rules are you've got to play the minimum amount you uh, the show. which And you've got to kick off, which he did do. Yeah, they, they kicked, kicked off, off because yeah. they'd made a substitution. Mm. So yeah, they, they were desperately trying to make a yeah. substitution in that time. The referee then just sort of had the... Uh, mm. 
the whistle in his mouth ready to, to blow. Yeah. He blew for the uh, kickoff. They literally just rolled the ball, and then he blew for the final full-time whistle. Yeah. Paul Cook and David Unsworth then went across to each other and shook hands. Yeah, no, no, no. no. Mm. So, you know, the, the final whistle did not, it was not the final whistle given when the the goal went in. No. There were 51 seconds of playing time still to go, but the final whistle not blown, so the referee fulfilled his contractual obligations. You know, I mean, people do wonder, but the time, when you're waiting to take a corner kick, time moves on. Yeah. It doesn't stop. Yes. It keeps Correct. going. So, you know, that is included in the additional time. Right, let's talk new players. Let's talk new players who we've had. We've, we've started with Harry Tyra, so let's talk Harry Tyra, Stuart. He looks sound to me. Uh, I mean, I, I was critical in a, in a tweet that I did at half-time on Saturday after we conceded in the manner that we did. Um, but having seen the punch, you know, and both the punches, really, as we all just said, were pretty good. You know, well, they got we, the just, we're talking about Will Harry Tyra punch. We're not talking about car park punches after <laughs> all the games, are we? Just to, to make sure we know what we're talking about. Yeah, okay. well, Indeed, yes. Um, yeah, so both of them were fine. And as we've all just kind of agreed, it was, you know, the, the recycled ball that we didn't deal with properly. So you can't really criticise a goalkeeper for that. Um, but he, you know, he, he, he looks the right sort of size doesn't he he's got the right kind of attitude he's got the right attributes I think and he's going to go on and have a tremendous career somewhere in in the higher levels of, of football just as Ramsdale did but you know to me he looks a far more complete goalkeeper than Aaron Ramsdale did when he was here well he's a year or two older than Ram- when well, Ramsdale indeed, came indeed, isn't he but, and that's the difference. but he does Paul look as though he'll be still a professional footballer when he's 30 doesn't he oh most definitely yeah I mean um He'll, I mean, Everton sell all their young players anyway. So I mean, uh, he'll be playing football somewhere at a, a good level, you know. And what a good grounding to get! You got first of all, you got the National League North at Chester, mm. just down the road from where where you're and from. And he played all 46 games, didn't he? Yeah. And, and that's a terrific confidence booster for a relatively young keeper. Absolutely, yeah, you know. And then he's he's um, you know got competition in this one, this league, you know, because Chesterfield want promotion, so he's got competition at the minute. He's He's managing to sort of fight it off. I know that he's not yet got a clean sheet with the side, but not all of that's his fault, is it? No. So um, he's had eight games so far, and he's looked he's looked the part. And I, I, I really, he is a step up on last year's goalkeepers. And there's Absolutely. no disrespect to last year's goalkeepers, but he is. And Ryan Boot should be as well. So you know they're moving in the right direction with that. Hmm. Uh, Will Grigpool. Yeah, what a great uh, great signing, first and foremost. You know, when you, you put him out there, everybody's talking about it so far. And he's got four goals in eight in seven games. So he didn't play against Altrincham, did he? So, I mean, what a what a record that is so far. You know, it's Shamanga-esque, isn't it? Well, in, indeed, indeed. <laughs> and, you know, and yet if you listen to his critics, he should be doing more. He should be working harder. He should be, you know, winning all the knockdowns and knocking them down to himself and going on and scoring and doing all this like nobody ever does, by the way. You know? Yeah. Um, no, he's done tremendously well. He's done everything that... We imagined he might do when he was brought in, I think. I, I, I was really gutted on Saturday, having, say, been at Lord's and going through the uh, Grace Gates to get to my destination where my 
Toolish take when I put on WG gracefully. Play, play <laughs> I don't, I've not had any comment on it on <laughs> social media. Dude. I was good. So sorry. So I'm sorry gutted. about that. Say, there yeah. was a moment in the game when we were attacking the north end on, yeah. on, on, on Saturday where Grig came over to the side for just you know a couple of minutes. Uh, I don't know. We might have been particularly chasing a particular ball or something. But straight away, the two centre halves both came with him. Mm. You know? yeah. And what a hole that left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His, his movement out of possession. Mm. His, his movement when he's looking to be fed is great. Yeah. We don't always feed him, yeah. but his movement out of possession is a level higher than we've had for a while in that mm. sort of position. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, look at the goals he scored. That's just it. It, it was uh, his thinking that got him the goal that filed. You know, obviously it was a bad back pass, but he chased it. It down. was a stunker of a goal. That. Yeah, he yeah. spotted that there was an error there, didn't yeah. he? Yes. So and he took it on and if you don't gamble yes. in that respect and when when you look at when he set off he was setting off almost before the ball had come back because he could mm. read it it yeah. was unbelievable yes it might have been a tap in mm. but it wasn't no no absolutely it wasn't it was a moving before the reward is the tap in yes isn't yes, it yes, so right. for, for doing the the bit before his next goal at oxford you don't leave Will Grigg space in the middle with a through ball from yeah. Darren Aldake. It was the easiest ball he's ever made, but yeah. Oxford's naivety there. Right, well, where, where, where's Grigg? Like, so, oh, by the way, he's just put the ball in the back yeah, of the yes, net. Yes. So that's a sniffer-like Alan Clark type mm-hmm. a goal-scoring mm-hmm. opportunity, isn't it? Um, his oh, third goal was an older shot. Again, he gambled. Cross that came in. The goalkeeper and Colclough kind of coming together there was a fumble mm. strikers in the right position to yeah. put the ball in the Fresh back of the net it, yes exactly yeah, he's made two of those three goals simple because of his ability yeah mm. not, Indeed. not luck yeah ability no. look I mean people are just saying yeah but they're just tap-ins well what do you want <laughs> yeah, to yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what do you want do you want him to score 25 yarders yeah, every yeah, game which yeah. doesn't happen well Gary Lineker made a career then, right <laughs> yeah. so and every, nobody yeah. sort of said oh they were all tap-ins he didn't get any 25 yard half volleys and then like, I've never felt so confident in a striker scoring a penalty on mm. Saturday mm. at all mm. so you know I mean, brilliant Great work. What a penalty just stuck into the corner. You know, exactly what he's been trained to do. I mean, he's and, of course, he'd won with that movement we're talking about, won the free kick that Colcuff had equalised yeah. with. He had, yeah. Yeah, he was dragged back by the defender. You know, so, exactly, worrying about him. So, mm. they're going to worry about him, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Tom Naylor, three goals already. <sighs> what a player. What a player. Um, keep hold of him for another five years and he might replace Mike Jones won't he <laughs> yeah. you know um, yeah yeah. and you can see why he was playing football in League One can't you you know just calm controlled always trying to get into the right place to take the short pass always looking you know to lay the, the, the short pass further on you know uh, always kind of one step ahead in that respect of where the game is you know um, absolutely invaluable people might have looked at playing Naylor and Jones and thought, do we need two more solid players in that position or should we have one solid player and one more kind of adventurous, if, if, if that's the word, in sort of DJ or, or, or Ollie? Um, I think it's right as it is and I think we should try and keep it as it is for as long as we possibly can. I, I certainly know. think until you've filled some of the leaks in, mm, I yeah. think they're the right two 
as we stand at the moment, when we've had 17 consecutive clean sheets, yeah. you might look a little bit differently. But you know, at the moment, that, that leaks right. But I think we said in the podcast before, I think I sort of said that I think he might be the National League signing of the year. And mm. so far, Paul, I've seen nothing to make me change my mind. In, in Tom Naylor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it just looks really comfortable. I, I, yeah, at the minute, he's the eight-game player of the year for me so far. He looks so assured. He can slot in at the back if he needed to. He's covering. Yeah, of, he, he, um, dropped, he dropped in to a three yeah. when when they went a bit more gung ho, didn't he? On exactly, Saturday. Mm. and he helps covering the right back as yeah. well. And Randy was going so, forward. He yeah, was dropping in. he's dropping in there, um, and he's just experiencing going forward. And I tell you what, <laughs> it's the strongest challenges that I've seen him make uh, so far. He, he really does not shirk a challenge. Three bookings. Yeah. Well, already, I mean that's it. Games. But how, how many tackles also has he yes. won with the ball? You yeah. know, so. But he's going to get a suspension before twenty-three <clears> games. He will. But that's then for one of the others to step up, isn't it? Yes. So look, look at what Tom Naylor's doing, how he's performing. You've got to play at that level if you want consistency. Otherwise, Tom Naylor's going straight back into the side. Hmm. Let's um, keep it new players, but somebody completely different. Stu James Berry. What an exciting player. You know, I mean, over the course of a whole season, if he can get into the team and stay in the team, he might well be the National League signing of the season. Uh, exciting. I, I, as much as anything else, yes, of course, the pace and the directness and all of that sort of stuff. But look at the corners he's been taking. You know, he scored from one at Oxford, didn't we? There was one taken at the cop end on Saturday that shot through head height, middle of the defence, and nobody got anywhere near it, sadly. And he got the pen but, as well, with yeah, the direct run. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, what a player. You know? I, I can't believe that's our first penalty of the season with the amount of big <laughs> well, talent yeah. we've been in the yeah. opposition's box. But I was talking to Paul Cook Saturday morning before I uh, um, went down the motorway, and he was talking about various things. And, he, he, and one of the things he said, James Berry, what a player. He can't even get in the team. Just sort of saying yeah. that, that, you know, what strength that there is out there on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. And, and somebody with that pace... Coming on with 20 minutes left. Well, he got a, uh, a standing ovation, not only from the members of the, the West Stand that was that were still there, but I think all these players had formed a guard of honour as they'd, they'd come off those that weren't playing. Mm. Now, those that hadn't already gone down yeah. the tunnel, but they yeah. were all backslapping, weren't yeah, they? they were applauding him. And, and yeah, exactly. And, and stuff, they? Yeah, he, yeah, he seemed to lap it up, didn't he? And, and good on him because, you know, that may be, and I'm just taking a wild punt here, but that may be the biggest crowd that he's ever played in front of. Uh, no, hang on. Did he come on against Oldham? I don't know. Well, it's a big crowd, isn't it? Yeah. You know, anyway, so, so yeah, you know, a majority of them were Chesterfield fans, weren't they? Yeah. So, and, and talking of crowd, we still we still <laughs> got to talk about Michael Michael Jacobs. But talking about crowds, four home games in the average home contingent seven thousand one hundred and ninety six uh, last season, which was the highest home contingent on Whitmore, was six thousand five hundred and sixteen. So we stuck six hundred on from last season and we're not at the sharp end of the season yet no. that is unbelievable Stuart isn't it, it? it's fantastic isn't it it, um, it well it just beggars belief when you think of you know all the years that we've struggled in front of two three four thousand you know you think of the few thousand we could get at Saltergate you know you come here and even in here we've had seasons where we've kind of averaged four thousand of our own you know in, in, in the darker times of four five six years ago um, well, we were saying downstairs before we uh, came up, we are in view of the pitch at the uh, yeah. SMH Group Stadium, by the way. We've not mentioned that before. Yeah, that 14-15 League One championship uh, uh, playoff campaign, the average home crowd was 5580, so 1,600 more mm. this season so far than when we were in the playoffs in League One. And as you were saying downstairs before we came on, 
most of those probably kids, aren't they? Young, well, kids, oh, younger people. Yeah. The, the people number of sort kids. of 20 and under. It, it's, you know? it's, it's wonderful, wonderful to see the amount of youngsters that, uh, that, that here, not, not just in the family stands, it's, it's, it's everywhere, Paul, isn't yeah. it? And, and how good is that? But they've not, sorry, they've not just been dragged along either. Oh, they no. seem to be here because <laughs> they get. <laughs> mum mom and know? dad and grandma and granddad have been dragged along. Yeah. 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 I think Liam's told me a story, Liam Norcliffe of the Derby Times told me a story the other day about his. Um, Friend is uh, his gym uh, takes. He used to go to Sheffield United or Sheffield Wednesday. I can't remember one of the two, but they. Um He's decided to take his son who wants to go to watch football and bring him to Chesterfield and they can get it in much cheaper and watch an entertaining side like this and it's been coming week in, week out mm-hmm. since the start of the season. So, I mean, that that's pretty good, isn't it? And that, that was always a market that Chesterfield could never get into is the north of north, north of Chesterfield, Chesterfield yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, that, that that's great. I mean, it's also good to see that Chesterfield have opened the North Stand. Yes. I mean, I know the players and Paul could probably had some influence over that as well because they did enjoy it when the back end of the season when it was all sort of Chesterfield mm. fans in there and it's great to see. And, you know, it, it is good. It might change for, for next year, touch, touch wood. But, you know, I think it's, I think it's great. I, I, I think it's tremendous as well. There's still work to be done on the East Stand, I think, to yeah. accommodate that so that our own supporters in the East End don't miss out on food and drink and toilets and turnstiles and things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't, why not make the North... This is a major change. Make the North Stand the family stand, you know, yeah. and, and the people in the East End can be offered seats in the current family areas on either side, Yeah. you know, and then you can combine that with your um, promotions and your school trips and all that sort of thing um it could really buzz in there i wonder is there any way to i don't know this is i'm just why i'm not an, uh, obviously a designer of football stadium or anything like that so yeah have you uh, been masquerading all these years <laughs> <laughs> but i was wondering whether some some clubs i mean there's a, obviously the massive gap where the the scoreboard is but you know four large attendances for example you mm. can have half of the north stand with the way supporters and half mm. of no, the, and east the east stand, stand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so to accommodate no, no, the extra what, rather the, than having all the north one of the things that's been talked about in the forum because it is the east stand that's got the biggest problem there's yeah. there's three groups of turnstiles on the east stand there's two they're all doubles but there's only three doors hmm. sort of thing um and the, the the forum the supporters forum that i'm involved with one of the suggestions that we've made that i know has been looked at whether anything will happen i don't know but it's been looked at is for when the queues do get um more than you can cope with having a steward with um, a, a palm top yeah. barcode reader or something yeah. like that. Now there are issues. You know, the safety action group don't necessarily want a door being open that's not a controlled yes. door before them. So it's not as easy as it sounds. Does the no. steward not being there is not a controlled no. door then? Uh, technically, at this level, you've got to go through a turnstile. Ah, okay. So you know that the, there are issues to be overcome to everybody's satisfaction, mm. and it may be at the point that if if there's yeah, it might be the stadium manager perhaps is given the responsibility to make a safety call that the queues are now too long, so the best route through safety is to open the door and have have controlled. Uh, entry with yeah. a, with a palm top or something like that. So it's not as simple as opening the doors and that because at this level and you go down right down to I don't know whatever level, Stavely Manor's welfare level, you've got to go in through a, a turnstile. But that yeah. the the palm thing happened on the opening day of the season yes. at Arsenal. Yes. So they had a major malfunction with the the cards coming in. Mm. So they got people with barcodes or something to go through a certain exit. Yes. With they had 
uh, tap. Well, I remember years and years and years ago, the first time we played at whatever it was called at the time, KC Stadium at Hull, I think all the electric went down and (laughs) none none of it worked. No. But there was a crowd in it. I don't know how they got in, but there was one. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, some of these things sometimes sound simple, but there are hoops to go go through to get that. But, yeah, that is a um, very much a... um, a thing that's on the radar. Yes. Mm. Um, it can't be solved overnight. No, no, no. no. It, even though it sounds as though it should be able to be solved no. overnight, you know, no. if, if all of a sudden people who give you the licence, and I think there was a licensing meeting this week or last week, they have it on a regular basis. If they say, no, you can't do that, you can't do it. I'm not saying that has mm. been the case, yeah. but you've got to go through that hoop. Uh, 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 to get there. Anyway, the last new player, Michael Jacobs. Yes, I, I like him. Obviously, he's sorry, not Ryan Boot. We might talk about you, but we can't really talk about you in action, can we? <laughs> no, exactly. Michael Jacobs really impressed with him. He gets into good uh, good areas of uh, of the game. Build slowly building his fitness up. He didn't have much of a preseason. Mm, very much so. Yeah. Not sure where what side he's going to go and play for. I knew that before the. Start of the season, it was a, a deal that had been worked on, wasn't it, during the during the pre-season, but he wasn't able to be selected until they'd sorted something out. So he come in on the eve of the the, uh, the season and slowly getting into areas where he's a perfect number 10 mm. to sit behind uh, the striker there in areas and bring in your sort of flair wingers, Dobber mm. and Colclough, etc. Although um, I think... Paul Cook and Michael Jacobs both think that left midfield is his best yeah, position. These, he, and Colclough, five goals, two assists, hmm. is there at the moment. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to really knock him out of the, <laughs> out of the team, are you, really? Many mistakes. Might have to adapt his game then. Yeah. So, But I, is it, I, I personally think he's the nearest thing to... Uh, to Jay O'Shea that we've we've had since uh, since Jay O'Shea since Jay O'Shea yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know some of the touches is 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 done is is close control he might not he might not have taken the game alight but you can see what he's got and he did say I spoke to him after the Aldershot game he 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 said he's the lack of pre season he was training of course and he's he's, he's fit but that lack of pre season does make a a, a, mm. a difference and. How many appearances has he had? Let's just have a quick... I think uh, five starts, is it? Five, is it five three, starts? Three oh, that's up, soon, yeah. soon racked up then, quicker than I think. Yeah, five plus three. Oh, he's been involved in every game then. Uh, so it must be there or thereabouts now. But he, th- there's something about him, Stuart, isn't there? Well, there is. He's, he's sort of metronomic in some respects in the quality that he can bring to us in that he can retrieve or receive the ball, keep moves going, um, you know, and work in that area just in front of the penalty area. Um, it, he, he can be an outlet. He can look for other players to to, to lay the ball off to, as Paul says, bringing in the wingers. Um, uh, and and uh, it, it works, doesn't it, with us? You know, to have that sort of player. Because what are you going to do if you don't have him? You're going to presumably put in another flair player and have all three of them going out of defence. Not sure that would work. Phil Tooley, Stuart Bass and Paul Fisher here. We'll be talking next about well the games to come and some of the players who were here before the start of the season. Well, welcome back to the Sky is Blue podcast. We've been talking about um, Chesterfield's form so far. We've looked a little bit more in detail at the games that they didn't win. We've been talking about that run of coming from behind to win the last three games. And we've talked about the new players, but the existing players that were here at the start of the season, um, well, we'll not go through every one of them. We'll be here all, all, all night. But let's talk Jamie Grimes. Because we've been conceding hand over fist, Paul, yeah. 
but it's very difficult to pick out a time when you've not thought Jamie Grimes has done his seven and a half out of ten. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you think, are well, you going to target in the sort of defence and the defence have scored a, a lot of goals, conceded a lot of goals. It's 15, isn't it, so far this season? You think, has Grimes really been off his sort of normal game and anything? Not really, you know, not really. It's been sort of left left back, hasn't it, unfortunately, for Brandon Horton. Um, and maybe, like, so, you know, at, at right defensive position with Ash Palmer, who's been slightly off his off his game. Um, so, um, yeah, he, he's he been, well, he's the captain, isn't he? He's played over 100 games now for the club. Obviously loves it here. He did mention in an interview last year to me that he wished he was did came earlier in his career and he was sort of five years younger and whatnot and you know learning to learn his game but he obviously loves playing for this football club and you know, you do learn under managers like Paul Cook don't you you know mm-hmm. um, Paul Cook doesn't really look at defensive side of issues if you look at how many goals they've scored but you do because you know you should, or you should learn. Yes. Well, you, the, you know, the, what so you were saying earlier on about waving them up against yeah. Altrigan was a perfect example. Exactly. Of that. He knows what they need to do, but if they choose not to do it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a combination of both, then really, yeah, that was un- unfathomable, really, for the two experienced defenders like that to to do it. But Paul Cook's always barking instructions to to Jamie Grimes. Now I don't know whether that's a good thing or not. I don't know whether his sort of mindset switches off during the games. I'm not too sure, or he needs that encouragement to get his game going. I don't know, but he's been uh, on the end of crosses coming in, scored two goals so far this season, been really impressed with him in an attacking sense as well. They just need to sharpen up in defence, I think, this season. But, uh, yeah, he looks uh, he looks a leader, a quiet leader, I'd say. Yes. Well, one, one person, Stuart, that many people thought might not be here at the start of the season, or certainly after the 1st of September, Armando Dobra, but not quite, not quite stepped up on that consistency level that we had last season. Not quite, no, no. Um, but thanks to improvements elsewhere, we don't miss it as a team. Yeah, and that's uh, the best thing of it, about it, isn't it? Mm, yeah. So you know, it, 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 if one player isn't quite performing at the levels that they were last season, then 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 we aren't currently missing it. Um, I wouldn't know what the what the cause is. Uh, he seems to have, over the last few games, he seems to me to have um, indulged in far less of the. Of the sort of exaggeration, shall we say? That was a bit of an older shot, to be fair. Was it? Right. Um, But I'm I'm just thinking of that. For instance, that one tackle here that that completely took him out late, you know, and I'm sure he saw it coming and he was able to ride it reasonably well, you know. But the the, the Armando Dobber of last season would have been calling for a stretcher and a splint and a, you know, ECG and all that sort of stuff, wouldn't he? Um, But. I think there's a bit less of that happening right now, which is a good thing, you know. Has there been talk of a move? Has it kind of forced him to take his eye off the ball a bit, really? I don't know. We never hear that, I, I, do I, we? I personally think his age and experience level is best to stay with Paul Cook for a, a, yeah. a, a wee while. Yeah. Not, not yeah. from a Chesterfield point of view, not from a selfish point of view. I think he needs to learn. Yeah. At the end of the season, uh, yeah. he could move on, I suppose, yes. couldn't he? Because he'll be of that sort of age, you know, mm. we wouldn't get very much for him if anything but what does he move on to you mm. know um, I mean you know Andrew Dallas bless him yes know? I think in a, a next two or three months are critical for Armando Dobra's time at Chesterfield because he's out of contract at the end of the season January is coming up now if he wants to move to the EFL or if he doesn't sign a new contract then he will be up 
for sale mm. in January. You know, Chesterfield won't get as much money as they would for him, you know, if he had a long-term contract. Mm. But there's a contract for you, Armando. Like, we'd like you to stay mm. with us. If he doesn't sign it, then we mm. will look to transfer you in January. Or if he does sign something, he could Caleb Folan, couldn't he? And, well, he uh, could, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, never. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, um, have a contract that has minimum release clauses and all that. Uh, exa- exactly. So, he could still go in January, granted. Yeah. But, you know, he might even go for any, a lot more in the summer. Well, so, indeed, you know. Yeah. Or Doris Phil says, he might decide to stay for two years and mm. carry on learning. Yeah. You know? But there's a danger, obviously, at this moment in time that Chesterfield are going to get nothing for him. Mm. So, it could end up being a... But he's not going to get a great, great move unless he steps up a little bit this season. No. You're absolutely right. No. You're absolutely right. I mean, at the minute, he's living off uh, his Wembley performance, isn't yes. he? Mm. So uh, and I know it's a pre-season friendly and I know they're very, very different, but he was magical against Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. And we all thought, my word, this is a... a, a a new Dobber, even shinier and brighter than, than last season's very shiny and very bright Dobber. But it's just not, not I mean, he's, look, what's he got? He's got one assist and two yellow cards. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. on the charts. Top scorer last season, I know a lot of those are in the cup, but, you know, he's, I, I would think 75% of his shots have, have hit a boot within a yard and a half of where he's kicked it from. Hmm. He's not finding those openings just quite as much as he was last yeah, season. I thought he, he, was a, he was a very good challenge away from a goal wasn't he on Saturday yes. Harry Phipps was, who had an outstanding game despite getting sent off yeah. you know after 70 minutes for them but he was a, he was a shot away there yeah, from yeah. a brilliant yeah, block yeah that was a controversial so. Dagenham decision wouldn't it man of the match to go get sent <laughs> yeah. off at 1-0 and <laughs> yeah. lose yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was brilliant Phil he was, yeah. he was really he good was. but was. Uh, yeah and uh, Dobra looked better on Saturday hmm. I have to say yeah. Yeah. well you could kick yeah. off on the next one Joe Quigley every time he scored for Chesterville Chesterville have won is the Ian Rush of Chesterfield <laughs> is the Ian Rush who say what uh, when he arrived at, uh, at Juventus, wasn't he? In Italy, he said uh, on the on the set. So, welcome to uh, to Italy and everything. What your first words? Ian says, "Well, just like being in a foreign country, isn't it?" So. <laughs> yeah, I love the town of Juventus. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, Joe's obviously uh, his. Knack isn't it getting into good areas? However, he shot on Saturday. He won't want to try I, and I remember. I did see that. I so. was desperately when I saw the highlights. I was desperately wanting that to be a corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, into a secret. Liam, Liam uh, Norcliffe and I had a, a, a wry glance at each other. I was on full match comms and I had a wry glance at each other and just had a little grimace mm. about that 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 effort because he was putting. He had nobody around him. But he will be the first person in Chesterfield's history to score. Uh, Two fo- winners in four three matches uh, <laughs> in history. As I was saying earlier on, there's only been 20, 21, four threes ever. Yeah. And uh, he scored the winner in both of them <laughs> this season, both well, in stoppage time. This is the thing, though, you know, I mean, obviously he adds a little bit more of a, a, a dimension. It's not pacey, but uh, it gives the defenders something oh. else to think about. I, I think he's been terrific coming yeah. off the bench. Yeah. Terrific coming off the bench yeah. this season. And that's not exactly where he wants. He's made the one start, which is altering and which didn't go mm. his way because he was exchanging shirts all the way through the match. Wasn't he yeah. with uh, with the the left centre back? Well, to, to be fair to the referee that day, oh yeah, yeah, he didn't pull anything for for shirt pulling no. at, at any time, did he? No. So at least if you know he's not going to do it, you know he's not going to no, do no, it. No, I, I don't mind if you're not going to do it. That's fine. But I mean, both of the defenders are yeah. doing it. defenders. Sorry, defender and attacker are doing it. That's fine. It just if it's a bit one sided sometimes. You, you wanted the referee to pull it up, don't you? So. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, they had a good old wrestle, didn't they? And uh, by the way, the left centre half on his name escapes me for Altrincham was excellent, wasn't it? Yes, that, that was uh, the the lad from Limfield, mm. um, who 
his name had passed through my ears last season, so I think he was. I think we were aware of him. Right. I don't know if he was ever on our radar, but we knew who he was. And his yeah. name escapes me. Big, 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 uh, <laughs> um, big left-sided Irish or uh, Northern Irish yeah. defender, wasn't he? Yeah, and uh, did play very well. I, did. I specifically was keeping an eye on him because I knew that we knew who he was. If you know what I mean. So uh, sorry, um, Stuart, but I'm going to give you. Uh, a difficult one, Brandon Horton. Um, hmm. He, yeah, he, he hasn't got the competition at the moment, has he, to keep him on his toes? No, because of course Bailey Clements course, getting back. Bailey Clements is injured, but although he's returned to training, sort of as we speak, um, apparently, he's uh, Sam Roscoe. Sam Roscoe, that's it. He's had a difficult season so far. I don't think he's been. You know, appalling. I don't think he deserves the bit of criticism he's got. Um, but it's difficult for him at the moment. You know, he, he, he's perhaps not as attack-minded as as um, Bailey Clements, you know. So he might be feeling that he doesn't quite fit in mm. to, to, to how we want to play. So on everybody, fu- of both of them fully fit, you, you, you'd pick Clements? Uh, probably, yeah. You know, which is no... Intentional disrespect or anything to um, Brandon Horton, you know. I just think for the way we play, um, Clements is the better fit. Mm. You know? He had a tremendous pre-season, Bailey Clements, didn't he? He was really he unlucky. Looked, he got he that looked, injury he on the business, the, didn't he? I think it was before the Accrington game or something when he picked up that thigh strain. Really unlucky for him because he was mm. flying. Yeah. He was playing really, really well, and um, he would have been first choices as he was towards the back end of mm. last season, last few games after he uh, displaced Lawrence Maguire. Yeah. Um, he, um, yeah, Bailey Clemson, I would imagine, will slot straight straight into the, once he's fully fit. Uh, which I don't think will be far oh, away. Freckleton steps up to the plate and makes it impossible to cut make that call. Well, Very yeah. much true. Mm. Very much because um, Paul Cook won't change from four two three one, will he? I yeah, no. really. No. I don't think there'll be three at the back somehow. So uh, there's some places up for grabs. I'll give you the last one that we look at last season. Because say we could be here forever if we looked at them. Um, Liam Mandeville. Yeah, uh, an, an excellent start to this season. Three He's goals, four assists. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant work, and he looks like um, a player who's on the top of his game right now as well, and like he's matured into a footballer of, uh, of, uh, of, of note that doesn't just sit in the number 10 position because he can play right midfield, he can play left midfield, he can play right wing back if he's asked to. You know, tremendous player. Um, I'm not so sure people are saying, why wouldn't he slot into the sort of right defensive midfield role let's uh, let's work on that uh, with his tackling ability but uh, yeah. but yeah some people have been but he mooted. has in, in last season and this is he's made tackles in the first three years of his time here he made lots of tackles but got a yellow card from him every time <laughs> yeah, true yeah, yeah. True. I, mean, I, I would have played him as one of two there alongside a more defensively minded one like Naylor or, 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 or Jones so he'd be your Jimmy Ryan then would he yeah yeah, yeah he was also you know, ex-winger isn't vision, he yeah it's, it's, Unimpeachable. Yeah, true. Absolutely true. His uh, dead ball situation has been excellent, although he's off him at the minute. Ryan Colcliffe told me after the game that uh, Ryan Colcliffe's got the job of free kicks. So, um, there you go. Well, we've um, got plenty of choice, haven't we? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Banks and Oldacre on the bench. <laughs> yeah. King as soon as he plays, he's yeah. one over the top of the stand. It'll be <laughs> no, somebody else's turn, won't no, it? Yeah, yeah you, it's, you've, got, you've got to make them count because you have, you're not yeah. on them Where's anymore. Where's the, uh, the Paul McGugan pile driver? We would love a centre-half like that to come and do that. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was on the end of a Paul McGugan pile driver once. The thing is, I was standing about 150 yards down Salt again. <laughs> <laughs>
I, 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 I can never forget the one um, Ian Evert unleashed into the uh, cross street and T-bar <laughs> yeah it actually went into the window in the front, yeah. yeah and it went, just went straight and in, he couldn't like, do that yeah. ever again right well, well, well let's look at what's coming up next now Ebbs I'll, I'll just go through the next few fixtures Ebbs Fleet away okay came up not in our division last year no absolutely they're seventh it's going to be tough mm-hmm. I think Halifax at home well Halifax they're fifth yeah. they only lost one game yeah. they've drawn them all but they've only lost one game Wheelston Oh, that's a that's an absolute uh, um, home banker, isn't it? They're in the top half. Yeah, they're eleventh. Uh, Rochdale away, mm, yeah, tenth. Maidenhead away. Um, oh God! Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter where they are. All of those Maidenhead away looks the most easy, doesn't yes. it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah. So all yeah. of a sudden you think, hey, here we go, and then there's these teams that. You know, at the start of the season, you wouldn't have necessarily. And I know, I know, the mix has hardly started, mm. but they're in it. Yeah, now, yeah. in form. Oh. Yeah. I want mm. Chesterfield to take the next step and win ten on the to trot and get a lead. But oh, you just realise. I, I wonder what we're no, going no, to do. No, no, that's, 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 that's what I want. But there's a caveat to that. <laughs> mm. I know it's not going to be that case. Yeah. Dad, Dad didn't go to a caveat to his. <laughs> so I know that, that that all of a sudden, like, so you're thinking. Oh, Barnet on the same amount of points as Chesterfield. They're not going anywhere soon, are they? Really, until you until you play them. It's when mm. you knock them out that you've got yeah. to try and try and do that, isn't it? And then you see all these sides that are wanting to beat Chesterfield. Mm. Yeah, you because know, Chesterfield are the scalp this yeah. season. Mm. So you know they'll they'll, they'll raise the game. It's and been and such I, hard work to get yeah. to second place this season. And mm. I, I felt I said. After a couple of games, I think I think I said before the defeat at Altrincham to somebody. I think it was actually Altrincham. I think it was my mate Pete at Altrincham, and I said it wouldn't surprise me if we got more points away from home than at home this mm. season because the home team wants to attack a little bit more. Yeah. But you can bring your bus up and park it uh, yeah. here. If anybody gets a point here, they'll be well pleased yeah. with with life. Just so well, in case people don't know, by the way, Chesterfield Barnet is on Saturday the eleventh of November. Right. So if both teams carry on in the way and they're the only two teams that have won their last three matches in the in the National League but uh, they're again Dagenham and Redbridge were the only team that had done that on Saturday yeah mm. um, but yeah so November the 11th is the is the Barnet at home date but you know, it is that away from home you, you just feel as though you might have a few a few more opportunities yes um, although at this stage teams are still wanting to come and win but well, apart from Halifax, who seem to draw every match, but they're they're doing quite well on the back of it. But you know, they they are. It is a run of games that before a ball had been kicked, you think, oh, if we don't get four wins and a draw out of them five, but they're all on a bit of form, aren't they? They're, mm-hmm. they even your your Wilston's part-time side, they've they've got some they've got some good players. They've got the lad Campbell on loan, haven't they? Yeah, from Adam from Rochdale, who mm. ri- uh, tar- Sorry, Tavon, Campbell, yeah. who ripped us apart for Woking before he got his move to the EFL with Rochdale, and he's now back on loan mm. with, with them. So you know, there's nothing you can take for granted, but we no. do know that. Indeed, indeed. It, it, every game that we've won this season, we've had to work jolly hard to win it. You well, know? I mean, look um, at Oxford City, Stuart. Yeah. Got them to beat Borenwood mm. and then Hammer, who was Hartlepool on yeah. Saturday. Yeah, four-one, yeah. wasn't it? You know, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So you know, that's two home games that they've won, and we mm. struggled to beat them two-one. We did, which, which look, now looks like a bloody good result, it does, doesn't, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Just know? yeah. Now they've yeah, found o- their Oxford, feet. Bit. Yeah, Oxford are in sixteenth um, spot at the moment. Nine points, three, uh, uh, two wins, three draws, only three defeats. Yeah, they're not, they're not nailed on to go down as people were. Uh, no, 
suggesting. No. So no. And Ebbsfleet, of course, on Saturday, have got Dom Polian, Dominic, Dominic Polian, um, who in his last five games for Ebbsfleet scored seven goals. He didn't play last week. I thought, oh, he's injured. No, he was playing for St. Lucia and he scored yeah. a hat-trick in an international match. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got ten, 10 goals in his last six appearances. His record against Chesterfield has played six, lost none. Scored for Leeds, didn't he? Against he did, yeah. 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 Owen Doyle, great yeah. goal from Doyle in the Leeds League Cup win. And he's played for played against us for um, Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon mm. and, and various... But three wins, three draws, no defeats in, in his yeah. game. He's only 30. Seems to have been around for an awful long time. But and Hayden Hollis may well come in. He he didn't he, he didn't play last last week. But of course, with the lad getting sent off centre half, getting sent off for Ebbsfleet, looks as though he might mm. possibly come in and fill fill in there. So and he he scored for Chesterfield against Ebbsfleet, didn't he? In that two he two did draw. Two, two draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My but word. It's, yes, it's going to be tough against them because they're you know they. Whenever you got a good side from last year. Take it forward. You've got, goals good, yeah, scored, like you've got a good. You've got a good side, haven't you? And the, that mm. confidence is taken mm. forward. If you keep the nucleus of the squad, which he has done, yeah. he's not moved. It was a bit like Dorking. They they brought a lot of confidence with them mm. last season. Now they're struggling to kind of build it up a little bit. Now, well, well Ebbsfleet's record this season is worrying because they've not drawn any. They've all they've they've won four and they've one lost one. Loss. But it's been one loss, one loss, one <laughs> loss, one loss. Yeah. So the the next one in that pattern, we all yeah. know what that is, and yeah. that's against us. Mm. So uh, and interestingly, have uh, have got a manager who must be the most left field uh, appointment that that we've known at the sort of professional uh, level. Uh, it's uh, a guy called Dennis Kutrieb, Kutrieb, who's German. Whose previous club was the wonderfully named Tennis Berlin Borussia, or Tennis Borussia Berlin, one of them two, who were in like regional football mm. way down the, the the pyramid, and he had no playing career of of note. So somebody somewhere mm. <laughs> has, has has sold him to Ebbsfleet United, and you know what? He did pretty well last season. Well, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, he did. He's, he's been there for uh, two or three years yes. now, hasn't he? Uh, just trying to get yeah, through the he squad. He came just before they got relegated. Yeah, mm-hmm. they um, they sort of had a bit of a restructure financially uh, when the last time they were in the national league and they got relegated. When they got palmed here by Nathan Tyson hat trick, yes. incidentally had Jamie Grimes, Jamie in, Grimes the, yes. in the team for Ebbsfleet on that day. That day, so um, they weren't the the Ebbsfleet that, uh, that they'd shown previously. You know, so they were. Uh, yeah, they've gone through a financial restructure now they're sort of back yeah. at a little little bit of a level and, and of course the 2-2 draw both goals that day were scored by Gozzi Ugu, who probably didn't He's manage got, two yeah. goals in his Chesterfield career <laughs> that's right down at their place yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah we're, we're so Ebbsfleet on Saturday then hot on the heels this Saturday 13 games before the end of September that'll have been incredible yeah. uh, Halifax who I say are managing to uh, to draw everything just at this moment in time but but they just keep on getting rid of all the best players yeah. Keep on hanging on in there. Change managers. Keep on hanging on in there. I don't know what it is that's in the water in Calderdale at the moment, but they're unbeaten in one, two, three, four, five, six. Their only defeat was ironically at Boreham Wood, who've not started the season well. But they've they've won away at Rochdale. They've won away at Oldham, and they've won at home against Bromley. So they've drawn with Solihull Moors, who were up there in the uh, the, the top end. And say they've they've lost more good players. 
they drew with Southend last week, 1-0 down, then Luke Summerfield gets sent off, they still got an equaliser. So there's Which something about them. One of the most bizarre sending-offs I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, have you seen it? Yeah, that's yeah, the one where, he, where he, he, he accidentally, or just, just almost like wafting a fly about because the referee had forearmed him, putting his arm up. And he must have said something to the referee, he has to have done. Well, well so. it's, if he doesn't get that rescinded, unless it was a something he said yeah yeah but which is a different thing and of course none of us quite yeah. quite know but you know it, it's yes i would forgot about it until he mentioned <laughs> uh, I, I, i've watched it about 15 times and i still can't quite <laughs> figure out what on earth it was all it. about yeah yeah so so it, it is Stuart. It's, it's going into a a testing time but we all when the fixtures came out we all did sort of say well the end of september's when when the shake was nearly a quarter of the season have gone by the end of september's ridiculous it is so, can you see the run continuing? Can you see the defence strengthening? Can you see the attack waning? Can you see um, the last goal in a game being scored in the 37th minute? <laughs> <laughs> I certainly can't see the last one, no. Mm. Um, it, you, you've just got to keep it going, haven't you? You've just got to find a way. I mean, you talk about Halifax, you know, recovering from having to sell all their players mm. and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, but they find a way, went, don't they? they? Find Warburton a way to went, keep Gilmore going. Went, Disilouve you know, went. Yeah. And summer. that's what you've got to do. You've got to find a way. There'll be, there'll be days when Brian Colclough doesn't do it, so somebody else has to do it, you know? You have to find a way to keep winning. And I, I think we have the players to do that. Um, whether we will, I don't know. That's why we watch the game, isn't it? You know, if we mm. knew that, that in... In May, we were going to go up as champions with 108 points. <laughs> the attendances would probably fall away, mm. strangely, because people would, you know, think, oh, well, what's the point? Mm. We know what's going to happen, you know. It's because we don't know what's going to happen that we keep coming to see it. Mm. Um, can we keep doing it? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm more confident about this season, I think, than I was about last season, you know, at the same stage. Um, and that being as I'd said earlier the kind of competitive gap across 1 to 24 in the division tightening up you know um, but because more teams might stand a chance taking a point off that they'll be taking point off us rather they'll be taking points off each other and I think over the course of the whole season that will generally work in our favour Does it feel like a championship season Paul? Um, well yes to, to me yes I think just feel I've got it I think, and it's 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 theirs to lose. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, it, ju it just get the sort of emphasis. The crowds are right behind you. The football's great. Um, yeah, you're just waiting for what's going to go wrong, aren't you? Because you're a Chesterfield fan. Yeah. So, um, but it certainly does. It feels like as closer to 2013-14 yes. as I've ever felt. Yes. So you know, so. Uh, going into that 13-14 season, and I remember. Uh, posting a, a team photograph on I put a legend on it that said Chesterfield FC champions 2013-2014 and that was before a ball had been kicked because it just felt right yeah. the pr end of the previous season it felt right I haven't done that this season mainly because the team photos only just come out <laughs> <laughs> but it feels the same to me yeah. it feels the same to me I um, yeah we're, we're all Chesterfield fans and I, I sort of uh, coined the phrase a few weeks ago, chessimists. We're all sort of chessimists a bit, mm -hmm. aren't we? Which is not optimist, not pessimist, pessimist, but we all watch Chesterfield. And yeah, there's there's a lot of things that can happen. Would I swap our squad for any other squad? No. Would I have brought in any of the oppo opposing players that have started against us into our eleven on that day? Probably not. 
mm. you know uh, I might have done by the end of the match yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> And yes, are there any players out there that we've seen that I'd love to have? Yeah, there are, but they tend to be the ones who are stopping the goals going in rather than scoring the goals. So if we do carry on at whatever it is, you know, rate of scoring goals, mm. I, 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 I think that's that's going to be fine. But of course, it is always that if you if you if you're sharp on one end, you're blunt the other sometimes, don't you? Let's let, let's see. But again, end of September always was going to be the the, the peg in the ground. Because of the and then then you're on Saturday Saturday most of the times. Uh, um, I'm not sure what the FA Cup re- uh, is. No, have we done away with replays yet? What? I'm oh really uh, no, it's not at the um, that, not at this level. I think it's up and it's only up until um, a fourth round, round anyway, or fourth, fourth round, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the trophy, I suspect, you can still make a decision with the club if you want to replay it or not, don't you? Yeah. So, so that depends I, who you play. In in, in <coughs> the, you know, most smart clubs will have sorted out extra time and mm. penalties. Oh no, sorry, getting rid of extra time straight to penalties. Mm. You know, yeah. uh, on the day. So uh, So we're so, all yeah. relatively happy with life. Anything that we want to uh, talk about that we've not talked about? Um well I'll, I'll while you two think I'll I'll sort of say, well on Monday uh, evening, the eighteenth, if you've got no better to do, I'll be Giving a little uh, talk about the history of Chesterfield Football Club for the Historical Society at St Thomas's Church Hall on Brampton. Ironically, the um, the church I was christened and the resting place of one of the footballers who might get a mention, Walter Wash Bannister, the only mm-hmm. Chesterfield player ever to be killed or to, to die as a result of injuries received in a football match in Chesterfield's history. He was buried there. Uh, that's at seven for seven thirty, three pound if you. Not a member. Stuart, uh, I think, will be there as well, and he'll be getting an acknowledgement because all I've done is used his words, really. Put, <laughs> put me in a fancy order. Well, you're much better with them. Than <laughs> so, you know. And, uh, um, yeah, really, really, and I know th- this will have happened by the time the podcast come out, but really looking forward to tomorrow where, for um, as, as part of the Heritage Open Day, we're doing a number of tours mm-hmm. at Saltergate. I think it's about five different tours tomorrow. From the afternoon into the into the evening, and really, really looking forward to um, to, to being involved with that. Paul, have you got any? News? Um, not really any any news as such. Uh, well, hopefully, we'll get this podcast turned around by today. Should be out uh, later on. Oh, um, lovely! Um, yeah. well, in that case, the tours are tomorrow. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, and we're a bit more, a bit more frequent. Obviously, we'll we'll try and get uh, we're going to try and get some special guests in as well for the odd uh, the odd one as well. So, but hopefully, Daryl will be back for the next one. Yeah, um, good luck, Daz. But yeah, yes. yeah. Um, but uh, apart from that, I don't think I've got anything. Uh, I tell you what, I do like this uh, this wallpaper though. And this yeah, and this we're, room. we're we're in the uh, the. the sort of executive box in the east stand and recently been taken over by Leverton UK for the next season or two or three and as part of that deal there's a nice timeline with some uh, photographs I'm sitting dead opposite I'll the 1984 on the, on the page yeah, yeah good, so, good yeah. point mm. uh, I'm sitting dead opposite 1984 not quite sure if that's uh, <laughs> significant but Chris Marple's there all in the uh, the Canon League trophy and um, Bob Newton, who I'm pretty sure played in that, that last match of the season, already with his shirt and tie on. No doubt the pub was open. <laughs> Stuart, did we? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing I've got, the, the website that I thought was going to be closed down from under my feet appears to still be functioning, and I still yeah. seem to be able to edit it. Um, so that obviously still works, which is good news. Um, I did build a shadow one on 
uh, on Google. Google. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, which, yeah. you know, which, which you can link to from if you go to csehistory.com, you come up with the old website and you can link to the new Google yeah. one, which isn't quite red sophisticated, but. But it's got so a lot more information. It's yeah, yeah. yeah, it's much easier to work around as well. And yes, the information has always been the thing, uh, rather yeah. than the presentation. And if me, you think we come up with statistical knowledge, uh, rubbish, we don't. It, it is via that website that Stuart's uh, yes. lovingly taken yes. care of. So any other statistical stuff, we'd look at it, and that's where it's from. And mm. I, I urge any Chesterfield fan or any football fan at all to mm. take a look at it yes. as well, because that's where you'll get your bona fide information from and we are just in the early days Stuart aren't we of, of setting up a heritage group we are yes. the tours that are happening uh, a, a, mm. a part of that and we're, we're going to look at an awful lot more mm. um, in the club and I'm delighted recently that the club uh, bought a 1935-36 McDando's uh, Mc, yeah. uh, uh, Morris McDando's 35-36 medal 27 goals in 27 games I think he scored that Something season like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's exactly um, that was on a, on an auction and one of the directors um, uh, agreed to fund that I, I was the person that was bidding for it it was quite <laughs> exciting really yeah. and we also spotted on there uh, um, a share certificate from 1931 not a share in Chesterfield Football Club mm. but Chesterfield's fo Chesterfield Football Club's share in the Football League yes. Limited yeah, because back in the day when there were four divisions at that time it was Division 1, Division 2, 3 North, 3 South only Division 1 and 2 members were full members mm. the lower divisions were associate members and that yes. didn't change till the Premier League was formed in 1992 hence yeah. the associate members cup is yes. that right yes yeah. correct yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. and Chesterfield won promotion in 1931 yes. so became a shareholder yeah. so that was the share that was issued in 1931 mm -hmm. and rescinded a couple of years later when they were relegated yeah. given back mm -hmm. in 1936 when they were promoted again then lost after relegation in 1951 <laughs> but then in 1992 got it back because yeah. the, everybody in the league was there mm. 2018 lost yeah. <laughs> well, mm. for now. yeah so for now for now yeah, yeah. so um yeah looking to really get a, a lot more on the heritage site going you know the, the the club and the new the new ownership well it's not new now it's, it's three years old isn't it now but the kirks have been in for a year or so and all of a sudden some of the emergency financially type of things uh, are, are starting i'm not saying they're getting any easier but the powers that be can look at other things mm. with a little bit more focus than you've got to worry about paying the the ferryman yeah at the start of the uh, yeah, at the start of the regime back in 2020 and then when phil and ashkirk came along so delighted to have played a minor minor little part in just being the person who sits in front of a computer watching 748 lots go under the hammer but it was really really exciting to be honest and uh, um yeah the, the 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 medal was what we were after it and, is, and what it's we got. brilliant that we've got people throughout the club at every level of the club mm. who attach an importance to that care yeah you're right yeah, sure. yeah. And, yeah and because care. with the group we know most of the people who might be interested in bidding them you could all you could yeah. almost talk to a few people and sort of say you yeah. know because the, the medal <clears> I, I i put uh uh, an initial bidding like you can do on an online auction it was a it was a live auction you could have been there if you'd wanted uh put put an initial amount down and then it was bid up a little bit in advance mm. of the auction so you think oh who else could it have yeah. have, have, have been you know mm. so uh, uh rang around and nobody knew anybody who else was was who bid it and i sort of said well the club's after it so you know if you want it to be back home with the club yes don't bid against it if you want it yourself well you can bid what you yeah, yeah. bid what you like mm. 
but um, yeah. yeah, if you want it to be back at the club, and we've got in in the trophy cabinet now, there's one or two medals gone in there. I brought a couple the other day that are, that are mine, my, uh, um, including Phil Bonnyman's 1981-82 PFA Select Team medal, uh, which I bought off Phil with the money going towards the Ernie Moss Memorial type of thing, and uh, also a sadly runners-up medal in the 2014 Johnson's Paint Trophy as well so we we're getting a little bit of a medal presentation in the yeah. in the box pete whiteley's been uh, uh, changing it around a little bit to make it a little bit more um s- structured mm-hmm. i think so it's, it's it's great to see and, and just being in here and, uh, with, with this little timeline on the wall mm. it's just great to, mm. to to see as well so um yeah long may that continue long may you continue listening to the sky's blue podcast because we've enjoyed it and it's always good when you're doing quite well on the park isn't it and uh, so from me, Phil Tilly, Stuart Basson, and Paul Fisher, and hopefully next time, Daryl Carpenter as well, we bid farewell and see if we're still as happy as we are today at the end of this month. And if you like this podcast, then don't forget to subscribe. Please rate and review us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many of your favourite podcast providers.